0: Why they're doing that, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, the last book of the Bible, chapter 2, that'll be easy to find. A few weeks or a few months ago, we did a study on, on Revelation and talking about the end times, and I sort of briefly brushed over the beginning of this, uh, of the letters to the seven churches, and we won't look at some of that today, but. In light of, uh, of next week, I, I've been praying about our church and, and revival and, and w- where we're going and all the rest, and a lot of times churches have revival, and, uh, you know, it's a sort of an old term, I guess, a lot of them do it, a lot of churches don't even do it anymore, but but what is revival? You know, the the definition, according to Webster, is an improvement in a condition or a strength of something. Um uh, It uh, it comes from the word, that's a noun, I guess. You you call it a revival as a noun, but in a verb, to revive is to regain life or consciousness or strength. Uh, So it's almost like uh, to bring it back to where it was. In the fire department, uh, we would go on a call and we would call it uh, reviving a patient if we would get them back we'd get there and maybe they didn't have a pulse, maybe they didn't have a heartbeat and we'd administer the proper drugs or maybe have to defibrillate them and we'd get a heartbeat back and we call that reviving the patient. I uh, always liked if we had to go on a call, the ones that were most miraculous were were um, people that had blood sugar problems and they go into diabetic coma and I hated that for them but It made us look good when we got there because we had the the big tubes of D50 and we'd push that stuff and somebody would be totally lifeless, pale, laying on the floor and we'd come in and start an IV and push the drugs and in a matter of minutes, they're like, oh, wow, where am I at? What's going on? They're talking, laughing, cutting up and a lot of times, didn't even want to go to the hospital. They just needed that shot of sugar because their insulin levels got so high. And they were like, Oh, hail the fire department. We revived the patient. We brought them back to the place that they were before they got in such bad shape. So, churches, we have revival to remind us, to bring us back to where we ought to be. You know, a lot of times we just get busy, right? a lot of times we're just doing right and and life just seems to get mundane and and going to church can become mundane and and you're just like uh oh, i got to go to church again uh oh, i got to teach sunday school uh oh, i got to take the youth to the mountains and we can get that way right I mean, you're doing good, and you're doing well, and all the rest, but, but it can be somewhat mundane, and, and it wasn't like it was before. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at the church of, of Ephesus. Um, here we are looking at the seven letters to the churches. The church of Ephesus is the first letter. Uh, start in Revelation two, verse one. It says, "Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things: saith he who holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, what is what he says. I know thy and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou cannot cannot." Bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and hast borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou have left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh, I will give him, give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for this letter that reminds us, Lord, of of, of where we are, maybe where we've fallen short. Lord, just as as we examine ourselves and 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 look at our own lives and our own church, I pray, Father, that. Uh, you would revive us to what you would have us to be, to the position that you once wanted us to have. Lord, just be with us in these next few minutes. Give me the words to say. Help us to, to hear and to be doers of those words. Lord, just don't let us hear a message, but to, to experience it and to be changed. Just thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John is the writer of the book of Revelation. Uh, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as he received a vision, he was told to write down everything he saw. We, re- we learned this in chapter 1. Uh, and and then one of the first things that he sees, he sees in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 12, that Christ walks and ministers ...in the midst of the churches. He, he looks up and, and there are seven golden candlesticks, right? And, and there's Christ in the middle of it. It explains who he is, the, the, the first and the last, and, and the one that once was dead, but now is. this is Jesus walking among the candlesticks. And the candlesticks are the references of the churches. These were seven literal churches of the time. The church of Ephesus... Uh, anybody familiar with that? you know what church that is? Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to them about thirty years earlier. and all through the book of Ephesians he talks about beware of those who would come and 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 bring false doctrine beware and and there, I think over twenty something times in the book of Ephesians he mentions to love one another, to do the work of love. And, and, and Paul wrote this 30 years before John did. And now we have this book where Christ is uh, uh, of revelation, and John is pictured where Christ is walking among the seven churches uh, as an example. And he's examining the churches, he's looking at the churches. And he first comes to the church of Ephesus and he says, I know your works, you're doing a, a good job. Uh, I mean, you're, uh, you're, you're taking care of things. And, 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 and in the next uh, few verses, he talks about uh, the other churches. Now, uh, there are seven churches. Two of the churches don't have an issue at all, the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. He does nothing but commend them for the good service, for their acts of love and, and all the rest. But five other churches, he says, you're in danger. You're in danger of judgment. You're in danger of turning over to pagan religions. You're in danger of falling off from what I have called you to do. See, these are the things that John talks about in chapter 1, verse 19, the things which are. See, uh, Revelation is is pretty easy for those who study it because he outlines it in the very first chapter. The things which are, uh, the the things you've seen... The past, the things which are, in this verse 19 that I'm explaining, and the things that will be. Now, a few months ago, we studied in depth, pretty much, the things that will be. These letters to the seven churches are the things that are. And so he's talking to these seven churches. He's examining these seven physical churches. Uh, Some became indifferent uh, some false doctrines have kept crept in. Uh, he talks about the, one of them that the, the church is more concerned with material things than they are spiritual things. Some that he says are cold, you've gotten cold and indifferent. Some says you're compromising, he says as he examines the church. See, on the outside, we, we look at the Church of Ephesus and they're spiritually strong. They have a very good foundation. But see what Christ is doing, what may look good on the outside, he's examining the heart of the church. He's looking at the heart, sort of like us in the fire department. You may say, oh, I'm, I'm fine, and I've been to patients several times. They're sitting there, and they've called us, and I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm all right. We hook them up to the monitor, and they're, they're that close to just flatlining They need medication. They need to go to the hospital, but they don't even know that themselves. Those that are sitting around them might even know it. We don't know it until we examine the heart and we look at what the heart's doing. And that's what Christ is doing to each one of these churches. You may look good on the outside. You may be doing wonderful things. You may be doctrinally sound, but is your heart where it should be? So he says, examine yourself. Uh, I said they're spiritually strong. They had a good foundation. You can read about the church of Ephesus in this beginning in Acts chapter 18, where Paul goes and he takes Persu- Priscilla and Aquila. What names? Wouldn't you, don't you wish you had a Bible name sometimes? <laughs> Priscilla and Aquila. And, and they, uh, they take them and they begin to start the church in Ephesus. And he leaves them there, and and they even though they wanted him to stay he said, "No, I've got to go, but you stay here and work in Ephesus." Uh, Uh, then another guy come in a good well versed in scriptures and all the rest and it says in chapter 18 that he knew the scriptures very well but he only knew the baptism of John the Baptist well Priscilla and Aquila get him and they instruct him that Christ has come John the Baptist was a forerunner of Christ a show of Christ and he is he has taught the truth of Christ and, and so he begins to preach very powerful preacher there Timothy Y'all remember Timothy, Paul's son in Christ, that he sent letters encouraging to. Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus. Uh, he had another, uh, John was a pastor in Ephesus. Paul ministered in Ephesus. So they had some of the best of the best to come, do, come through and lay the foundation of what they believe and to establish this church. And, and we see that. And this is what he says to them in the very beginning. Uh, it says in the beginning of the uh, verse 1, he says, under the angel of the church. Let me explain that. That's the pastor. Y'all know I'm an angel? Hush, Robin. Don't ask my wife. But he's saying unto the angel, the one that oversees the church of Ephesus, this is what I want you... And what John did is he wrote these letters, these letters went out, and the pastor read them to the church. Could you imagine these letters that he wrote to these churches? Might be tough. Ephesus wasn't too bad, but Laodicea was rough. That would have been a hard one for the pastor to read to his congregation of how Christ examined them And what he thought of their works And then it says These things saith he He is Christ Not the pastor He's the one that holdeth the seven stars In his right hand And, and who walketh in the midst Of the seven golden gangsters So Christ is talking The pastor's reading the letter to the churches uh, So here we are in, in Ephesus We're going to look at the, the church there Um, they stood in great opposition. They had great temptations. There was the uh, pagan god Diana was very prominent in Ephesus. And y'all might be bored with this or not. It's interesting to me of all the things. You've heard of Diana, the goddess Diana, very prominent in Ephesus. That religion was very prominent and, and it would come in and, and the persecution of the, of the Christians was very prevalent. They say that Ephesus was the place where when they would capture Christians and bring them to Rome, that the, the travel port to get to Rome was through Ephesus. So they would bring wagons of cages of Christians that were going to be burned at the stake or fed to the lions As they would come through the town, they were headed on their way to Rome to be martyred. Could you imagine that? To be the church of Ephesus and see a brother and sister in Christ that had been caught and they're being taken to Rome to be martyred for their beliefs. Wow, what a temptation. We think we got it bad. We don't have it bad. These are the things that they faced in Ephesus, um, yet they persisted and they continued to love others for Christ's sakes, they, they, they continued to, to preach and to teach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They continued to serve one another in love. It says they hated sin. They ran off false teachers. They ran off those who claimed to be apostles that were and, and, and Jesus is commending them for that. Wow, it sounds like they're doing a great job, isn't it? They've got all the programs going on at the church. If they had a wanna, it's full. They got all the leaders they need. Sunday school's full on Sunday mornings. The church is full. They're they're thriving. They're doing well in in adverse conditions. So why would you say anything negative to them? Verse 4, he says, all that is great. You're doing a great job. But he starts verse 4 and he says, nevertheless, uh, you don't love me like you first did. Wow. Your acts of love are more of duty and not of love. You have become mechanical in your worship, is what he's saying. Mm. That's tough, isn't it? See, these were to actual seven churches of the time. There's also others that say these were the seven dispensation or the seven, I know that's a big word, but seven time periods from Christ to the rapture of the church of the age and the status of the church. And it began with Ephesus. Oh, they started out; they were on fire, right? Remember, they started in Judea and Jerusalem, and went to the uttermost parts there, spreading the gospel in adverse conditions. They loved the Lord; they were on fire for Him. Remember the the, the three and five thousand that were saved, and and revival had broke out all over the country because the beginning. You can read it in the first few books of Acts. The church age of that time was on fire for the Lord. They loved the Lord, but, but uh, maybe after a while things just sort of grow cold. The, the ministry became more of a job than it did. This is what I really want to do. Have you ever been that way? You, just, you, you ever been at a job? And you, first day at work, man, I love my job. This is great. I'm going to help my job, my boss see a whole new way. I'm going to change this, and I'm going to change that, and I'm going to make it a better place to work, and everybody's going to love me, and we're going to all love coming to work, and check back with them five years later. Oh, man, I just want a vacation. Hello? Y'all with me? That's the way it is, isn't it? You start off a big ball of fire, and then... Just a few years later, it's like, boy, if I could just get another job, this is terrible. See, we do the same thing with with all the way. Uh, let me talk about first love. Uh, it's it's something you can't hide. See, look at them down there. They're all sitting close, smiling. They just got married a few months ago. Hey, everything's great, right? Never a fight. No, no fights or anything? It's coming, just wait. But it can't be hid The love for one another, and especially some that are courting. uh, Courting, that's an old word. Some are dating. Going steady? Is that what you do nowadays? Come on, you. Tell me what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) say, uh, But the love for one another is exciting. Everybody knows you're in love. I know when we first started dating, everybody knew that I was a hunk. Because she told them I was I was the best thing That ever happened to this world According to her It's a little different today I promise you But it started out It's so excited about love Uh, You can't do enough To show the love for one another Robin why I'm talking about you Come on up here Come on Rob. Let's do this Y'all like this We're going to talk about first love. Here we are. We're courting. Let's go on a date, darling. We're just so in love. Can't you see that? We first started, we got married and everything was great. You want to go out to dinner? Yeah, let's go. So we get in the car. And the first thing I do is I open the car door. Here you go, darling. Have a seat. And I shut the car door and I run around the door. I'm so excited. I'm taking my honey out on a date. And I sit there and I'm, it's close, and I hold her hand. Look how we're holding hands. And, stop it. We're driving down the road and I'm just looking at her, goo goo and goo goo. That's what y'all do now, ain't it, right. right? We just can't get close enough to one another. Where would you like to go eat, darling? Wherever you want. Like. Just wherever I want to go. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I just, wherever, honey, I don't care. Just, just, uh, whatever you want. I just, as long as I'm with you, I'll eat cornbread even if you, and buttermilk. <laughs> but we'll do anything. It's okay. We haven't decided yet, but it's okay. I'm with my honey. And we're driving there and we finally get to the restaurant, and I stay right there and I open the door and I run around the car and I open the door again. Come on, baby, let's go eat something to eat. Sugar plum, all that stuff. And we walk up to the restaurant. Here we go to the restaurant. And we're arm in arm. And this is how we do we go like this. We just walk and crisscross. It's okay. We're just in love and everything's great. And we sit down in our meal. And we're sitting there crossing the. All right, Come on, we're still we're still acting this up. All right, we're at a table. Y'all picture a table, and we're just sitting there at the table, just looking goo goo. And I'm holding her hand, and the waitress goes, "What would you like?" And I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> I'll just whatever she wants." Isn't it in that first love? Everything's lovely. And then we get home, and 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 we. We sit down to bring your chair around. This is the couch. Well, I guess I'm supposed to bring her chair around. We get home from our dinner, and we're sitting at the table or at the couch, and I just got my arm running, and we're just watching TV. Oh. look, isn't first love awesome? This is what y'all do, it? First love is great. But now... Now, after some time, after 30-something years of marriage, where you want to go eat? 35. I can't remember. 35, where do you want to go? We're riding down the road, and she's sitting over there, probably on her phone. Where you want to eat? Oh, come on. I'm hungry already. let just make, can't you just make up your mind? I mean, let's just eat. It's time... You don't know where you're going to eat? Oh, all right. We're driving. It'd be nice to know where I'm driving to. I'm just going to pull over the side of the road. That's what I do. I'm not going anywhere else until somebody tells me where we're going to eat. And then we get to the restaurant. We're sitting in front of one another and, and eating our food. And what are we both doing? Waiting on the waiter to come. We lost our first love, isn't it? We get home and we're no longer all this. We're not even on the couch anymore. She's got a recliner and so do I. <laughs> Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? And neither one of the TV's going la, 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 and both of us are going. <laughs> See, we've lost our first love. We've lost that first, first love that we won. I'm through messing mess with you now. And I know y'all, y'all are wearing the same boat we are. Same, everything's not so great. It, it, you look at us now, and of course now, me and Robin are probably special. I mean, we still, for 35 years, we're pretty lovey-dovey. I still hold her hand in public. I can't hardly do that crisscross thing no more because I'm afraid I'm going to fall flat on my face. But see, you see the difference between first love and you've lost your first love? The excitement's a little bit gone. Maybe a little bit harder to even know that you're even married. See we may we still love each other. We still care. You still love the Lord. I know that. But you begin to take them for granted. You begin to take things for granted that you never did before, and so we sort of just fade away from that. Ooh, and Christ is telling the Church of Ephesus, "You don't love me like you used to. You don't spend time with me like I used to. You don't. You aren't just happy no matter what. You know I'm in control." But you fuss about it every time suddenly they'll go your way now. And that's a dangerous place. Because see when we begin to take one another for granted, you didn't know you was gonna get marriage counseling day too, did you? It's for all of us. When you begin to take one another for granted and you become complacent, you're in a dangerous place. Because you know what you do then? Then you start finding everything wrong with that other person. Back when you was really in love, in your first love, they could do no wrong. But it's the same person you married 35 years ago, just a little more of me, honey. But see, she can pick out my faults a little easier now. Back when we first got married, I had no faults. I accept her just like she was. She She had no faults. But now... It just drives me nuts. You know what? We get out of the car and she is the slowest person to get out of the car I've ever seen. I mean, get out of the car already. We've been driving 20 minutes. You knew we was coming here. Why we got to do our makeup in the parking lot? Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, guys. Get out of the car. I'm hungry already. We've lost that first love. You, are you getting the picture of the difference between first love, Was just excited? Everything's great. I love you. You love me. No, no, no. Oh, no, I can't do that. But everything's great. But then after time, we just sort of lose it. After time, it's like, oh, goodness, she wants this Friday and she wants to go out somewhere. I got a football game I want to watch. The guys are supposed to come over. But that's why if we're not careful, we get in our Christian walk too. See, when you first got saved, you were just tickled to death that God loved you. You were tickled to death that that He accepted you just like you are. You were tickled to death that he loved you and accepted you and forgave you just so. And you couldn't wait to tell everybody about him. You couldn't wait to come in those doors and hear more about him. You were excited. You were in love with God. You were in love with your Savior. But now it's like, oh, it's Sunday. Oh, Go to the lake. Go to church. i go going to Midland now, right? Ah, Wednesday night. Ah, revival's coming. Man, that preacher's crazy. He wants me to come four times next week. You know what's so... I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I am. You know what's so disheartening? Is when you have revival and it's trying to encourage the people you love. To come and be refreshed, be rejuvenated, and you have more visitors from other churches than you do your own people. I love those other people. I'm glad they come. But we have revival for you. It's like buying your wife something and a big extravagant meal and all the rest. And she says, I'm going to go out with the girls tonight and eat dinner. And you eat dinner all alone. So we have revival and we have these kind of things for you, for me, for refreshing to get us back to where we were, where we loved one another, where we cared for one another. All right, I'm going to get off that soapbox. But Jesus said, I have this against you. Have you lost your first love? Is it sort of getting mundane to do what he asked you to do? Yes, sir. Is a what? It's a love is really a compliment. To be loved, is, is, a, to be loved is, a really is a compliment. If God loves you, God does love you. The creator of this universe loved you so much he gave you a son. There's no greater compliment. There's no greater sacrifice that he loved you. And all he wants is to love you in return. I talked to a lady a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. I would went to Lowe's and as when I bought all this, got this stuff for the display. And I was checking out and I sort of got frustrated. Am I out of time? Okay. I sort of got frustrated because the carpet guy took way too long and, and all the rest. And, and I just didn't really understand what was going on, but Lord revealed it to me. I got up check out, and there's two two lines, and there's a line over here, two or three people, and I'm behind them, and this guy goes out of that line, and they're just standing there talking. I'm thinking, hello, get in line because I got to go. I got stuff to do. Somebody move. Somebody do something. You know how it is. I'm Mr. Impatient. I got a lot to do today. Well, they just stood there and talked. And the lady says, hey, come on up here. If they going to talk, let them talk. I had no idea the guy was in control of the whole thing. And I got there and she says, I saw you talk to that man when you first come in the door. I saw an old friend. I told him I was pastoring the church. And I said, preacher, can I ask you something? Yeah. She said, I'm just really going through a hard time. God orchestrated that. It's one of the greatest blessings of the week or my life is to be able to minister to this lady. I had no really idea who she was, but God put me there at that very moment to encourage her. She's having a difficult time. She said, I just don't understand. And life seems so complicated. I said, well, I'm assuming you're a Christian, right? Yes, sir, I'm a Christian. I go to church when I can. But it's just life's so complicated. And so, and I pray and I pray and I don't seem to get any answers. you ever been there before? And it's so frustrating and I don't know what to do. And the only thing it seems like he keeps telling me is to go home, she says. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do with that? That's sort of weird. But what do I tell her, Lord? And in that very instant, God just spoke to me and said, tell her to go back to the cross there's home for us as Christians go back to your roots go back to the cross go back to where you first realized that he loved you enough to give his son for you and I explained that to that lady and I, I went into the 23rd Psalm and something I'd heard that morning I have no idea what it, why I heard it I thought it was for me I thought this is cool But God gave it to me to share with her. I looked at the 23rd Psalm in a totally different way that day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's another way to look at that. It's God talking. He says, I'm your shepherd. You won't have any wants. I'm going to make you to lay down in green pastures, I'm going to lead you beside the still waters. I'm going to restore your soul. Wow. Wow, that excites I hope it excites you. I've never looked at the 23rd Psalm that way, but I got to share it with this lady and she just began to sob right there at the cast register and I'm looking around and, oh, man, they're going to think we're weird. She said, preacher, can I hug you? <laughs> What the point is, is God had put me in that place to encourage that lady, but the main thing was she had to just go back to the basics. Go back to your first love. Do you remember when you fell in love, when you realized that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and He gave it all for me? I love it, I'm excited about Him. See, we get through our Christian life and it gets beginning a, a little more complicated. Our marriage begins to get a little bit more complicated. But I'm thankful that he gives us in verse five, and I'm I'm going to close, I promise. How do you get where you was? He says, first to remember in verse five. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. Remember the the, the the day that you were saved. Remember what it was like before he found you. Remember the loneliness you had. Remember the longing to be loved. And you can compare this to relationships too. Do you remember the forgiveness and acceptance that he gave you just like you are? Go back to your first love when you first fell in love. Sometimes in our marriage, we need to do that too. We need to go on our second, third, fourth, and fifth honeymoons. And we just need to get alone and get away from the cell phones and the life. And we just need to remember what made her heart pound when she saw me. I don't know, but I know she made my heart pound. See, we got to go back to that place. And remember that that's healthy for a relationship, but it's also healthy for your Christian walk. See, that's when revival goes. And then he says, repent of the coldness and the indifference that you have. Repent of of the things that distract you from the love relationship that I want with you. Repent of the things that you desire more than me. See, the church of Ephesus, they were doing everything just right, but it was all mechanical. They began to fall away. They weren't doing it anymore because they loved the Lord so much. They were doing it because it was their duty. Don't let your marriage become duty. Don't let your walk with the Lord become duty. Do it out of a love for Him. Do it because you, you've gone back to the basics of, of your first love. Luke uh, 10. I'm sorry I'm going over. But I, I want you to get this. In Luke 10. Jesus has gone to Mary and Martha's house. And Martha is busy. 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 Serving. And what does she do? Mary is at Jesus feet. Just worshiping. And loving him. And Martha says. Jesus, tell her to get up. There's a lot to do. Tell her we got to clean all these closets out. Tell her we got to clean up this. Tell her we got to do that. Tell her we got to do this. We got Sunday school to do. Tell her we got to do. We got to use. We got to, you put in the blank what it is we got to do here. But Mary was just on her knees worshiping him. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the very best thing. See, Mary hadn't lost her first love. Mary knew there was things to be done, but it was more important to just have that love relationship with her Savior. And Jesus commended her for that. The consequences in the second part of verse 5 for unrepentance of this, he said, I will come quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place. Except I'll repent. Now, some people get all scary and say, Oh, you can lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is you become not effective. You're no longer effective if you're, what you're doing here is not done out of love for one another and for him. He says you'll lose your effectiveness in your community, your candle will go out. That's what he's talking about. Church, you want to become non-effective in this community? Let it become mechanical. Forget the God who loved you and gave himself for you. You want your marriage to become sort of mundane, ineffective? Forget why you first loved them. Let the indifferences creep in. David said in Psalm 51 in his confession of, of, uh, of repentance to God for for uh, the things that he had done. He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's going back to the basics. God, I'm hurting that my sin is ever before me. David says, please forgive me and restore me to the place of the cross. Bring me back to when I first fell in love with you. And then he says, when I'm there, in Psalm 51, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted unto thee. See, you understand that if you can't get back to a love relationship with him, you become non-effective. It just becomes a job. It just becomes something we do. Restore my first love, then I'll be effective. So we can't love others without loving Christ. John tells us that in 1 John four. We love him because he first loved uh, him who says he loves his brother but, hate, but uh, loves God but hates his brother is a liar. What he's saying is you cannot love one another unless you love me. That's what he's saying in John and I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Throughout the Bible, God has, has caused revival. God, I, I couldn't stand up here in a million years. It don't great, matter how great of a speaker orator I may be or Pepper Alley leader or whatever. I can't make this church go into revival. That's God's doing. Throughout time when, when things would happen, you, you can ask the, the church of, of uh, Nineveh. When Jonah went, God caused the revival. When King, King Josiah and they found the book, the revival broke out. Revival broke out when Jesus and John the Baptist showed up through all out the land when they showed up. At the beginning of the church, revival broke out, but it was always God who initiated it, God who made it. But if you look at those people that He did it through, they were people that hadn't lost their first love. So we can't make revival happen. But we can prevent it with our heart problem. Pretty quiet in here, isn't it? Do you want revival to happen in our community? Do you want people to know the love of Jesus Christ? Get a heart monitor on. Jesus is walking amongst us, examining your hearts. I don't know where he's saying you're at. But examine your heart. Am I in love? Have I lost my love relationship? Have I fell away from the day that I met him and first fell in love? Is it not so exciting to tell others about him? Is it not so exciting to go to church anymore? Is it not so exciting to sit and read his word? Is it not so exciting to just spend time alone in prayer with him anymore? You may have lost your first love. That's between you and God. You don't have to come to me and confess it. But if we want revival to begin here, if we want God to do a miraculous thing here, it must first begin in here in each and every one of us. We need to get back to the basics of why we do what we do. And it's for a love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he loved us so much. Father, we thank you for this day. Your love to us Lord, even while we were yet sinners, you died for us, and we just praise you for that. Lord, we fall so short. I fall short, Lord, of that. I get so caught up in being busy that I forget to just spend that time with you, just the sweet fellowship, to just tell you how much I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for encouraging me and to encourage each and every one of us and your goodness to us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that today. Lord, bring us back to that place of that first love where we were excited and where the spirit was sweet and we cared for one another as you care for us. Lord, bring us back to that place. Lord, If it be your will that you would just start revival in this community. And Lord, let it start in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.